All right, hey guys, um, back on the couch this time for a new podcast with Max McCaw. So hi, Max. Hi guys, thanks for having me back on the podcast, Cash. No worries, mate. So today we want to touch on a few topics, mainly based around uh, Thor's new world record deadlift, and a few topics based off that. All right, so um, Max, what's your thoughts on um, Thor's new world record? Yeah, I thought it was great. Really, um, really clean lift, and um, you know, great to see him finally achieve it. And I think it's um, a great way to keep the sport going during these times. I agree. There was a little bit of controversy about whether it should count, but the way they did it, where they weighed all the plates, it was all live streamed. I think it was all done really professionally. But in saying that, I think once we go get out of this whole COVID situation, it needs to be pretty clear that um, records should be only set in competition. But I think it's a great exception while we're in this circumstance to keep some excitement in the sport, get some mainstream media attention, and uh, give people something to motivate themselves to keep training. Cool, man. That's awesome. Like I was watching it. I was watching it live last night, just on one platform, and I think it had um, there's like over two hundred, mm. uh, two hundred fifty thousand live streams just on that one platform. They had it over like three or four different platforms. So yeah. that's um, that's some wicked amount of um, public interest into that sport and that one athlete. I think that's, that's I think that's really cool. Eh? Like you're saying, it's uh, it's doing good things for the sport. Yeah, well, it's like when um, Eddie did his 500, it was the number one video on Facebook. Wow. For, um, you know, a week or, what, or a few days or whatever it was. But, yeah. you know, it's, that's pretty amazing that the level of public interest in Strongman is that high. Yep. And for some for whatever reason, the world record would seem to attach uh, even more interest than, like, world's strongest man. Yeah. You know, even than the big titles, so... Yeah. It's interesting. So something about those massive um, numbers that really excites yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that could be anything to do with the fact that, like, um, so with strongman events, there's a lot of events that the average gym goer wouldn't be familiar with mm. compared to, like, something like a deadlift, for example, where you know, ever you know, most gym goers would have done some form of a deadlift before, and so it gets them really excited. Yeah, I completely agree. It's kind of hard to um, look at a truck pull and be like. Oh, that was a great truck pull because yeah. you've just got no reference. Like, yeah. um, you know, I've been doing, yeah, you've been doing Strongman for years, and we both never even have a truck pull in context. No, I've asked so, for it. Yeah. I've asked Dan for it a few times. So, like, we don't even um, know what it's like to pull a truck. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could imagine it's hard. Imagine the muscle groups it works, but, um, you know, we, everyone knows what a max deadlift feels like. Yeah. And, you know, just um, the amount of force and commitment you generate just to break a weight off the ground, let alone 500 kilos. Yeah, wow. So um, who's some of the top deadlifters you look at in the past, um, some people that you look up to in ways of deadlifting? Uh, in terms of um, like look, up, look up to their performance or, their, or I like, like their training? Um, let's, go, let's go training because that's probably uh, something we could talk about. Yeah, well, there's definitely quite a few guys that have sort of shaped my sort of deadlifting philosophy and how I look at um, deadlift technique. So you'll see, but, you know, there's a lot of commonalities that always come together. So um, a big guy that um, I initially looked at that really uh, opened my eyes to how um, technique could really improve your lift was um, Andy Bolton. So the first guy to hit 1,000 pounds in competition in powerlifting. Yep. Um, So over-under with suit. And um, he was really, really big on speed work. So if you watch some of his training, 
he'd never hit a max in the gym, but he'd do a sub-maximal weight and treat it like it was a competition. Wow. So there's these videos where he's doing like, say, you know, 330 or 350 for a few reps, which is nothing for him. Like he could rep 400, but he tried, you know, thought that that would cause too much fatigue and not have him fresh for the day. Yep. So he's got this um, weight, which he could probably do 10 times, but he's doing maybe three reps and there's guys slapping him. There's like 30 people in his gym just going off, <laughs> going nuts, slapping in the face, slapping on the back. And... Um, he gets fired up and rips it and it's just flies up. Yeah. So that that was just a really interesting perspective because it took me a long time to realize you can't just go all out on the deadlift every session because it bites back really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that was a good one and then um yeah, I was, there's so many guys I um look at like um I really, you know, look at a few of the lighter guys like this um Ukrainian guy Alexei Novikov really like his deadlift technique just how he gets behind the bar um, Adam Dirks an American guy who's a really um, just really good technique so often there's a few people that I'll sort of send to my clients just to demonstrate how a deadlift should look yep yep very cool um, and then you've got to adapt that to your own body um, yeah and then you know I really like some of Eddie Hall's training where he alternated um, a heavy week and a speed week yep and just the intent and speed he pulled the bar. You know, he wasn't even worried about locking it out. He just ripped it off the ground again and again because that was the point he needed to strengthen. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, guys like, um, you know, just overall philosophy, looking at, um, you know, Charles Polkin, snatch grip deadlifts. Yep. That's, that's huge to build the base. And then you see guys like um, Sebastian Oreb who are continuing that on. You know, just lots of snatch deadlifts. Um, and a lot of the top guys will do that as well. You know, Jerry Pritchard and um, Rano Heinle, you see them doing like 300 kg plus snatch deadlifts. Wow. And it just really translates to an awesome deadlift. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, a lot of people that really um, shape my kind of philosophy on training deadlifts. Cool, man. Um, so if you guys don't know who Max is, he's probably one of Australia's most underrated strength coaches and strongman coaches. He's coached two world records just here in um, Perth itself in Strongman. Um, so he does have a lot of knowledge in what he's talking about in ways of strength training. Um, let's touch on, go back to Thor's deadlift. How do you think, um, we both just watched earlier the video yeah. of him pulling a 300 kilo for the first time. How many years ago was that? 10 years ago, I think, yeah. 10 years ago, wow. So Thor's, yeah. Maybe, well, maybe a little bit longer, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I think his world, first World's Strongest Man, he was maybe 22. Yep. So actually, that would be about the right time frame. He's about 30 now, I think. So, you know, there's this video. If you um, haven't seen it, just type into Google, Thor Bjornsson, 300 kgs, and it's one of the worst deadlifts you've ever seen. His stance is like a little bit off-center. He's like not even gripping fully between his legs. And then he completely stiff legs it, and you think his back's about to snap, but he grinds it out. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, just goes to show, um, everyone starts somewhere. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that have pulled much cleaner 300 kilos, and they haven't gone on to pull 500, because I didn't believe they could. Yeah. But he always believed he could. He continued to pack on body weight, and now he's hit 501. So um, I think it's... It's pretty inspirational um, for anyone to see you can get from um, uh, basically terrible because even though he's pulling 300 at that time, it's probably like 160 kilos. Yeah. 
you know. Um, and he was competing in World's Strongest Man at the time. Uh, no, that, I think it was a few. It was a few years later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, he when he competed at Worlds, he would have been pulling close to four hundred. I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Definitely over three fifty. Yeah. Like he progr- he progressed quite fast. Like um, he put on something like 70 kilos the first year and a half of training wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you know he really got to that level and you, you'll see his first one strongest man he was like quite overweight yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know in bad in bad shape but he just really young and hungry he just sort of force fed his way yeah um to the top really quickly but then you know he had to you know that caught up with him he had um had to really reach a point where he needed to sort out his diet cut back then build back up yeah and really but I think one of the main takeaways is a refining technique yeah so when Thor started training he was just yanking for his life every rep um but then there came a point where he was like okay I actually need to um do less weight than I can do and do it properly and then slowly increase that so I think it's a really good takeaway for everyone wow that's cool man um, and what do you think one of the biggest turning points was for him in his training and technique do you think that was when he took on um, Sebastian as like a as, as his coach and the diet with um, that is a vertical yeah outstanding yep. yeah definitely no I think that was um, a massive massive game changer because um, you can you can see yeah huge difference in his performance um, from when he met Sebastian and, st- and then he started working with Stan about the same time yeah and it seemed just like a really good combination that's um, carried him through yeah um, and yeah it, it's really, really one of the most interesting things about it is how much muscle mass he's put on training with Sebastian you know because people think it's um, just strength training it's not going to build a ton of muscle but he's looks more like a bodybuilder than when he was doing probably more accessory work and yeah 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 but um just getting getting his um he does he does do a lot of accessory work, but, but mainly just getting his big lifts up translated to a lot more muscle mass so it's, it's quite interesting yeah for his um probably muscle fiber type he's probably quite fast twitch he doesn't really need to do um you know a 10 by 10 to put on size yeah you know a five by eight yeah, you know, four by eight or a five by five, which yeah. would be his volume, yeah. a massive volume phase of him is going to do the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we both uh, we both seen his program, the one that um, Thor's Power program. Yeah, yeah. And it's like such a it's such a basic type mm. program, and it really goes to show that when you're at that level, you don't need a lot of you know hundreds yeah. of different exercises to get the job done. Yeah, I've had a few. Um probably two or three clients who've come to me and they've um, done that program and some of them have actually regressed yeah but it's because they're not actually strong enough to make it work makes sense you know they're so and then they come to me and they get good results because I'm like okay you actually need to squat three or four days a week rather than once a week yeah because you can squat 120 (laughs) (laughs) and then they make um, really rapid progress yeah but um, it it doesn't mean it's not a bad program it's a a great program but you need to be have to generate enough intensity to make that work makes sense yeah yeah and like um, yeah so like I'm you know probably near 300 on a squat well over 300 on a deadlift now so I can do that kind of volume on squat and deadlift yep but upper body I still need to do more volume than that because it's um, I'm not lifting you know close to 200 kilos overhead yet yeah yeah very cool and what's some um what's some benchmarks that you use for your um clients 
to be able to use those sort of programs, lower volume type programs. Is that like, um, is that getting close to that 300 point mark or things like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So it depends on lift. So deadlift, it will happen a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. So deadlift, um, most people just train once a week. Maybe some beginners, if they've got bad technique or we're just going through a specialization phase and we're backing off another lift, we might do twice a week with a second day's speed day. But deadlift would be the, probably the one where it happens um, earlier than other lifts. Yep. And then squats, um, similar deal. So um, squats, squats are are interesting, like you can train them with high frequency or low frequency and you'll still get decent results in most people. But in a lot of people, you will get better results with it, you know, three, four days a week, um, at least some of the time. Um, but it, it really depends on the person. So, well, there's guys like um, like Nah, for instance. He can squat three hundred at under ninety, and we're still doing sort of three to four days a week, and he's recovering fine. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know who Noddy is, um, it's one of Max's clients that broke a um, Axel. Was it Axel? Overhead world record. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, and he's uh, he's pretty much like Wolverine. Any type of any type of little niggle or injury, would you would you agree with that, Max? He's like Wolverine yeah. with his recovery. And he, he, he's the world's longest man under ninety kilos as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, but like what we've done with him, we started with four, and then we've gone to three, and we're sort of stuck at three, and then I probably next um, phase it'll probably be down to like two. Yeah. So it's over. Maybe every year we've reduced it by one, but uh, it really depends on the person. You just kind of have to look at: Are they hitting the numbers for the next session? And yep. if not, is that because they're not recovering? And then you reduce the frequency, reduce the volume. Um, so I'll often and I'll often find if someone makes a really rapid gain. So say someone put um, thirty kilos on the squat in twelve weeks. It's such a big gain on in strength. Their recovery hasn't caught up to that. So the, the next phase, they'll have to get a big reduction because their weights are so much heavier. So yeah, you also look yeah, at how fast they are actually gaining. If someone gains strength fast, you need to back off the volume because yeah. they're now putting so much intensity through their body. Whereas if you gain strength really slowly, you could probably keep a higher frequency. Um, and then upper body, most people, I do a fairly high frequency approach because most people just don't have a lot of muscle mass in their upper body. Yeah. Um, like when you think about it, if you wanted to train um, upper body once a week, or you know, thought I was like a basically a chest day and a shoulder day, um, and he's not hitting that same motor pattern, he's only hitting that same motor pattern once a week. Not many people um, work with that. Most people they need to hit a light upper body day to keep that motor pattern going. Um, and then, oh, I don't know about the, the exact time when it, um, you, you can switch that once a week, but yeah, it's definitely after quite a few years of lifting. Yeah. Most people really benefit from that lighter day just to keep, keep things moving. Yep, yep, yeah. very cool. Um, and that's something that you're quite big on too of shoulders, like especially for shoulder strength and overhead is the high amount of volume and frequency too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, because that's for weak people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, well by, by weak, I mean... Um, you know, beginners. So the if you're having a lot of muscle mass in your shoulders, you're gonna hit it with a lot of volume many days a week and you'll get results. 
and then over time we'll get, obviously reduce that until you know one day you're doing one once a week shoulders maybe once a week chest or even combine on the same day yep. for some people cool um, Max is actually currently writing a um, a book on overhead world records is that right yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. so yep. the axle, world record in axle pressing yep do you yep. want to touch a bit on what your what the content of that is just for listeners yeah yeah so yep. it'll definitely it'll kind of break down um my journey through having a horrendous upper body strength. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I took that on as a learning opportunity to learn how to actually help people achieve, um, you know, world record shoulder power. So, yeah, sort of go through my story, you know, not being able to do one push-up growing up and then that kind of sparking my interest. Yeah. And then just really battling to increase um, shoulder strength. And then it only started moving once I just went insane with the volume. Yeah above and beyond what people said was safe or acceptable. <laughs> What's an example of that? Well, so there's, um, yeah, kind of funny, funny story that I put in there was I had this, uh, you know, first year of university. Um, I was uh, training with this guy, Ricky, and it was like the uh, first few weeks and um, we had both bench over 100 kilos, but we had pathetic shoulder strength. So we're doing some dumbbell shoulder press as an accessory. And we're literally battling with 10 kilo dumbbells. We <laughs> 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 both probably bench 100 kilos. So, like grinding every rep. Yeah. Um, yeah it was either 10s or the 12s, but um, <laughs> for 10 reps. And it, like, it was a complete battle. Like, they were all over the place. Yeah. One arm going before the other. And we were just knackered after like three or five sets. And we're like, this is embarrassing. We need to do something about it. Yeah. And this is, you're only about 19 around that age yeah 18 yeah 18 yeah. 19 yeah yeah so <laughs> did some research and I was like okay we need something crazy you know yeah. I'm sick I'm sick of this pathetic shoulder strength so there was this Charles Polkin program called Ultrasets where you take a weight you can do 15 times and you do 15 sets of 3 with about short rest periods maybe 30 seconds and then every session you increase by 3 sets and took up to 30 sets of 3 Wow. And then you increase the weight. Yeah. Um, and then, anyway, so we were like, um, okay, we'll give this a go. But being um, being young, we could just stick to three sets. We did it for maybe two workouts. And then we're like, okay, screw this. Instead of doing it every five days, let's do it three days a week. Yeah. And every time, instead of doing um, just 15 and then increasing slowly the number of sets as the progression, we'll just try hit 30. <laughs> so, so for probably about a month straight we'd go up one dumbbell on the rack yeah and alternate and rest as long as we need to get 30 sets out and the next workout we'd go up the next one <laughs> and <laughs> and then pretty soon um we figured out if you only went about halfway down you could lift more weight <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, half reps yeah. yeah so we started doing half reps and then I figured out if you slid your um us, you know, off the bench a little bit um, and turn into an incline bridge and get the chest into it and lift more. <laughs> but in saying that, we um, it was literally a month, we started with 10 kilos and then we were repping 40 kilos. Wow. Yeah. So the, the form was a little bit questionable, you know. Yeah. We'd get a spot on the first one because the first one's hard to get up. Yeah. And then you just go to your ears and press back up. <laughs> but it, it, it did, that really opened my eyes. Okay. This is the way to go because it was it's a it was a crazy increase in strength. Yeah, you know, even though the form 
was a little bit questionable. There's no way I would be near doing that yeah. at the start. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that, uh, that kind of kicked off the progress. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and so now with your type of um, training general for shoulders, that, that's something that you would do. Like, I think your last pro training program was like 10 by 10 or 10 by 15 or was deep water method is that what you use yeah so yep. yeah, I use deep water quite a lot with clients it's probably my go to if someone hasn't trained with me yet yep so we'll often do it on a push press so 10 by 10 and then over the weeks you um work that up to a 5 by 20 wow so yep. if you do a 5 by 20 with a weight that was tough for a 10 by 10 you're gonna have bigger shoulders and yeah. bigger triceps yeah it's just there's just no other way around it Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah I really like That's it. over four weeks you're going from a weight from a 10 by 10, the same weight for five sets of 20. Right. Well, well, actually, most people um, who do come to me can't do a four-week block of it. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Because, um, well, I, I think it's a, it's a neurotyping thing. So the people that come to me are often a bit more fast twitch, they're interesting strength. They don't really like high reps um, or respond to them for very long and they need to change the workouts quite often. Yeah. So we'll do a two-week block, then back to strength for two weeks and alternate. Okay. I've only yeah, really had... Yeah. Sometimes if someone's um, re- like more of a beginner, they can handle doing four weeks in a row. Um, or there was one guy I had um, in New Zealand, Mark Thomas, who was um, the only world-class guy I've had who was a, what you call an earth type, like a volume responder trainer. Yep. And we would do like four weeks hypertrophy, four weeks strength, alternate those. Wow. And yep. he would just thrive off it. Um, but yeah, he definitely had a different um, neurotype. Like there was one situation where he had an elbow injury and we did sort of occlusion training and pump work really, really light, just getting the most outrageous burn. Yeah. And at crazy volume, like... Um, you know, redelt swings? Yep. Like that, that drop set. So if you don't know, this exercise um, by John Meadows and this is a 100 rep drop set on redelt. So yep. 60, 30, 10. And it's absolutely brutal. Um, he would do like, most would do one set. He could do like up to five sets. Wow. <laughs> as, as a superset. Yeah, yeah. As like the third exercise of a superset. Wow. And uh, he, and then he thought, and then he actually asked for more volume. Wow. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not giving more volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you find that, you get some clients like that who can, who respond so well to volume and you almost got to, you got to rein them back so they don't burn themselves out and they can still get results. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still, um, kept it within certain parameters, but it's interesting because Mark almost made the CrossFit games and he's, um, since, um, Leaving strongman, he's run, um, I think marathons. He's possibly done an ultra marathon. Wow! So, and he's still, um, still jacked. So, yeah, yeah. And how so, much? Do, he got quite a heavy deadlift, didn't he, for his size? Yeah, he, yeah. He got he got three point five tons body weight. Wow! So two yeah. um two eighty, and um under eighty. And I reckon if he continued another two years, he could have been under eighty. Was an man, but yeah, um, yeah. Had um other goals, and um yeah. So definitely um unique sort of um, fiber type yeah. and, and neurotype for strongmen there's not many people not many strongman athletes could even run, like run a marathon in a decent time it's just not yeah. physiologically possible because the way they're wired yes <laughs> yeah, yeah makes sense or it would take years and years but um, he could literally bounce from one to the other but wow. he's the only guy I've had to train in that manner yeah um, everyone else I've had to do 
change the program quite frequently, lots of, um, you know, deloads and stuff, whereas he could just power on week after week. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're saying like, uh, this is something I find with myself in a way is that for me, I get a lot of clients that are interested in not only getting strong, but changing body composition and getting them to understand the importance of strength work for that yeah. is something you'd probably find with clients who come to you just to get strong and you give them a high amount of volume. Is that something you have to almost educate your clients on that that amount of volume is necessary to actually get stronger? Yeah, well, well um, luckily I've got a, I seem to have a good reputation because I don't often, they don't often question it. Good, yeah. But yeah. They, the one, the, what they will question is um, a lot of clients will um, feel strange about doing like lower percentages of their max. Yeah. So they're not worried about the actual volume, but they're, they think that doing a lighter weight, they'll somehow get weaker. Yeah. When in reality, that's exactly what they need to um, build the muscle mass to hit those heavy yes. weights. Yeah. So yeah, but um, I'll just educate them on the process and explain what we're doing. And, you know, this. <laughs> They'll be so destroyed after their first 10 by 10 and sore, sore for days. They'll be like, okay, this is doing something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because like there's just so, I mean, that's the number one thing I see is just a really poor understanding of um, how to use hypertrophy methods to get stronger. Yeah. And that should be the almost the number one concern of a strength athlete or you know, top two or three priorities is increasing your muscle mass within your weight class. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I encourage people to get DEXA scans yes. and actually see how much muscle do you actually have. In comparison to body weight. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, you know, I've had um, heavyweights, you know, guys 115, 120 kilos and you look at their muscle mass and you're like, actually, you could almost, you could probably make the under 80 kilo weight class because you're like over <laughs> yeah, yeah. 35% fat. Percent body fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you're actually too fat to be in this weight class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you could actually be in the lowest weight class and you're in the heaviest. Yeah. And that's a way to call for some people because a lot of people are just delusional about how much muscle mass yes. they carry because yeah. it, it takes years and years to put that size on yeah. to fill out those heavier weight classes. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I would just really um, encourage people to get DEXA scans because that's a objective measure rather than saying, oh yeah, I'm about 15% body fat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like butter bean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, and it holds you accountable because you have to get, to put on um, a few kilos of muscle mass, you know, over a 12 week or an eight week plan, or, you know, we'll go over 12 weeks because you can only get DEXA scans every 12 weeks with most most places. You need to be so strict with your nutrition, your training, everything. Yeah. To put it that size. And so it holds, you, it holds you accountable. And then, you know, it's a bit of a slap in the face. You've busted your ass in the gym for 12 weeks, but yeah. your nutrition and the sleep hasn't been on point. Yeah. And, or maybe your programming hasn't been absolutely to the T. You know, you've gone a few a bit heavier on stuff on one week and that interview with your progression, so on and so forth, and then you haven't put you know put on half a kilo or zero muscle mass. Yeah. Um, it's a wake up call. So is that something you found as well, Cash, that people that come for you with strength, they're surprised by how much volume they have to do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and uh, on the opposite end of the scale too, is people that want to put on muscle yeah. are surprised how much strength work they got to do. They're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, why yeah. can't I just do bicep curls and like, you know, some light weights and high reps? I'm like, 
because that's what you've been doing for the last four years exactly. and you still look yeah. like a twig. It's <laughs> like, what do you want to do? Like, you want to, you know, if you come in to see me, it's like, I don't say this to people because people don't usually say this, but yeah. um, for the people that are really confused about it, they're like, oh, why are we doing it this way? I'm like, because what you've been doing for the last four years is wrong. Yeah. Um, you've come to see me, we're going to do it this way. Yes. It's going to hurt, yes. Um, but yeah, exactly that is that amount of muscle mass that i got to put on requires heavy lifting like there's a there's a good saying by ronnie coleman everyone wants to be a bodybuilder but no one wants to lift no heavy ass weights like, it's, it's very true yeah but it is, it's heavy weights for high reps yes exactly or multiply by volume yeah 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 that, that's how you um you know the biggest um people the most muscle mass train yeah and um the thing is a lot of strength athletes don't think don't realize a lot of them talk themselves up you know i'm really hardcore you know, hitting these heavy sets of three, yeah. five, and singles. It's like, actually, they're easy. Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. It's singles are easy. Tribbles are easy. Um, try to do the same weight for 10 reps, and it's like, that's a, yeah, it just takes another you know, level. Or try to, like, um, yeah, try to do some drop sets. Yeah. Or some um, go to failure and then do partial reps. Like, there's so many bodybuilding principles that you need to use and a lot of people avoid them because they're really hard yes and they're yeah. actually a lot harder than strength training yeah you know yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually a good point to bring up is um, I posted a video of Liv the other day in what I considered her strength phase yeah. doing 13 reps at uh, 110 axle deadlift yeah. and if you think it like a sport like strongman um, when people look at like I suppose when people look at strength training they just think you know anything under three reps is yeah. considered strength or anything under five reps is considered strength but when you look at a strength sport specifically like strongman you can do a lot more than three reps on an exercise to have to win an event uh, or like distance or time yeah absolutely well that's um, one of the reasons strongman is so great is because you, ha you have to be the whole package you know yeah. you can't just be an absolute slob because there'll be a loading medley or yep. there'll be a max carry and you're um you can gas out really quickly and lose yes. a lot of points yeah and then you know the same token you can't just be good at one rep you have to be good at you know be ready for any number of reps yeah so yeah I, I, I really like that aspect of powerlifting where you can you know just do one rep you, and just the, the nature of how the events change yes you really need to be uh, can't have any weak muscle group yeah or you're going to struggle lung capacity yeah yeah. yeah yeah or like what about when the um, diameter of the log changes or something yeah yeah you know, on the day than what you used to you need to be ready for any contingency and you do that by um being overall as strong as possible so yeah i think it's really cool how that sports that have forced you to do Adapt that as well know? yeah um yeah you know it's like um like crossfit like um just, uh, you know, how you have to be so versatile and it just yes. creates really um, awesome, yeah. well-rounded athletes. So, yeah. Yeah. And that, I, th I think that's where people get, um, people still don't know strongmen, like as mainstream as something yeah. like CrossFit, for yeah. example. But what a lot of people probably don't realize is CrossFit and strongman are very similar um, in ways of, if you just move the percentages a lot higher, if you look at the lifts they do yeah. and the things like the carries and things like that, um, a lot of it's very similar events but just moving the percentages to a much higher margin um obviously strong uh crossfit's a lot more anaerobic or aerobic um type based but if you take that away the core of it's very similar yeah yeah so um and, and there's there's more and more strongman events at the games yes yeah you know, it's a um a fairly large percentage 
I'm not, you know, um, of the actual, you know, total games. Yeah. So it's um, it's really testing. It, yeah, it becomes strength, more, yeah. more and more important. Um, I guess the main thing about strongman is it, it is trying to test strength. So one thing it's different is they'll always choose technique. Always, almost always have events where um, it favours brute strength over yes. just technique. Yes, that's true. So that's yeah. why they'll really use a barbell because. On a barbell, someone with really good technique can beat a much stronger person. Yep. Whereas on a log, um, someone who doesn't have a lot of static shoulder strength is going to find out really quickly. That yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hard for them. Yeah. So yeah, the, that's uh, yeah. There's a lot of differences, but that's um, one of the main ones. Yeah. You really want to have those technical events. There'll never be Olympic lifts in there. Yep. For example. Yeah. Very rarely a bar. Um, it'll be all awkward objects. So it's testing your brute strength. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Like probably the one event that I can just think of off the top of my head where you can translate a um, uh, an Olympic lift or Olympic style lifting over to a strongman would be the split jerk um, yeah. in the overheads. It, it seems to be quite successful in the in the top athletes, but not the strongest, is it? Uh, well, definitely lighter weight classes, like, um, yep. like the two world records I coached in the Axel Press were both split jerkers. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it is you're not going to get as much out of a jerk on a bar as with a log or an axle. Okay, yep. So a barbell, um, a living bar, you're going to get a lot of whip and you can really utilize that whip and get over the bar. And, um, you know, like I've, um, I'm not a living weightlifters who can probably... You know, strict press maybe a hundred kilos, and they're getting like one seventy. Wow. Overhead. <laughs> yeah. Or even let you know. I've heard um, you know, people like press strict press ninety kilos, and get double that one eighty overhead. Wow. If they're really really proficient in the jerk. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's yeah, crazy to me, and that's it's amazing they can have that such technical proficiency. Yeah, yeah. And I do wonder if they had focused a little bit more time on their strict pressing, would that be even higher? Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't. It attracts a different type of athlete. Yeah, like, yeah. They're getting uh, scored on that top. Exactly. That jerk, and and um, just because of the top Olympic weightlifters, just will have um, really naturally good shoulder flexibility and be able to get in those positions that uh, someone who's attracted to strongman yes. probably won't be able to. Yeah. And then when with the log and the axle, they're you know dead weights. There's no spring, so you're not going to get as much out of your leg drive, and you're not going to get that flex in the bar. Yeah. Um, and then the awkwardness of it, the the thickness of it, it's displaced from your body, especially with the log. Yeah. So it makes the split jerk still effective, but much less effective. Okay. Yeah. So there, there was a um, there was this guy on the Strongman Australia Facebook page who put up this video saying that split jerks should be banned. Okay. And then um, I put up a, a explanation of why they shouldn't. And the main, well, it's it's actually extremely difficult to learn how to split jerk an axle or a log effectively. Yeah. So if someone's willing to put that work in, and um, that's I think that's awesome, you know. And um, not many people can actually justify putting that amount of work in to get a very small increase when they could have just gotten stronger. Yes, and that's only one of five events. And yeah, 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 exactly. Um, because like yes, I mean, even like so, there's been some good Olympic lifters who even battle to strict, um, strict uh, sorry, split jerk a log, and yeah. they haven't got much out of it. And if you look at the um, numbers, so like when Adam did it, he did a one one forty one point six axle, which was the world record at the time. 
he push pressed 135 on the bar on a bar wow. yeah and so he didn't actually get that much out of his split jerk yeah and um, you know same with Noah when he did his 166 axle which, which is still the world record he could probably push press 160 wow you know, yeah. or, or close close to it so you know how much are they actually getting out of the split jerk you know is it like five kilos you know yeah yeah <laughs> you know five is you know or, or a little bit more it's it's minimal it's definitely they're getting a, a slight advantage but it's very minimal because the implement's designed to make split jerking less effective yes essentially yeah, yeah. but in like like we just witnessed last night that it only takes you know, between one kilo to break a world record. So yeah. if you can get that extra one kilo and you're willing to put in that work, then yeah. it could work for your favor. Um, who currently holds the log overhead record? In what weight class? Heavyweights. Heavyweights. Like heavy um, Zadruna still holds it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And that was push press? Yeah, push press. Yep. So, um, yeah, you find um, as the weight class get heavier, there's less and less split jerking. Yeah. So... Yeah, a number of reasons, probably slightly less mobility in those weight classes. 190 kilo, 95 kilo guy trying to move at speed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a very, it's very explosive, fast movement to be able to do. And you, I suppose yeah. that would probably suit the lower weight classes because there's less body mass to move that quick. Yeah, but, but you will see the, um, the majority of uh, world records in log were actually... Um, Almost all world records in log, except perhaps Rob Kearney, I think, um, who says it has the 105. Yep. 187. I think that was done with split. Well, I know that was done with split jerk, but that's one of the only ones. The majority are done with a push press. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, you know, I think if a split jerk was that much more effective, more people would be doing it. Yes. But you, what I've seen, to make it successful, you need to be a very, very good Olympic lifter yep. for a number of years. Yeah. And and then transition into strongman. Yeah. That's the only way I've seen it work. So, you know, if like, say I was wanted to learn split jerk, it would probably take a few a few years to gain the, enough proficiency to do a log. So Yeah, and you compare that along the time scale of just getting stronger, your brute force of um, push back yeah. shoulder strength. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, yeah, it does help, but um, you need to really sacrifice to learn that technique. So, hats off the people that can pull it off. Yeah, not, yeah, not no, really awesome, man. man. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. It's definitely not cheating. It's yeah. it's making. And the other thing is, it's a uh, not as um, dependable as a push press. Yeah. Like you're gonna have to. Um, there's a, there's a much greater likelihood of it going pear shaped and missing the lift. Yeah. Because it has to be absolutely perfect. So, you know, there, there's that to consider as well. It's um, it's definitely not a free lunch, so there's no yeah. reason it should be banned. Yeah. Because um, it, in many ways, it's much, much harder. Yeah. Um, interesting too, like uh, Thor did his deadlift with a suit. Is that something you're, you're allowed to do in World's Strongest Man, use a suit? And yeah, so the, um, there's a little bit of a rift between Arnold's and World's Strongest Man. They're sort of two of the major strongman organisations. Yep, run by and, obviously different organisations. Yeah, different yeah. people, yeah. So Arnold's, you're not allowed figure eight straps and you're not allowed suits. But then they have an elephant bar to try and make it easier. And then, <laughs> and then World's Strongest Man, you're allowed suits and you're allowed figure eight straps. Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. I think it might have been... What's the logic behind that? Uh, well, I think the, the Giants Live sold the figure eight straps. Um, 
Arnold's may want to decrease their sales. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. There's just like a bit. There's a rivalry between them, so okay. they just wanted to. Arnold's probably wanted to mess with them a little bit, but um, yeah, it, it is it is ridiculous. But I mean, I think the one thing Arnold's definitely got right was um, I don't think there should be suits in strongman anymore. Okay. I just yeah, I think um, it just creates a, you know adds another element that doesn't um doesn't really make the sport that much more interesting and. Yeah, you know, it should really be about strength, not how tight of a suit you can get in. And yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, you know, for now that's the rule. So Thor was um, playing on those rules. Yeah, playing with the cards you dealt. Yeah, exactly. Sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, so, if, you know, I've been in comps before where you're allowed suits and um, taking that to my advantage. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. for squat event, wasn't it? Yeah. The state yeah, squat so, comp. Yeah, so yep. we used to be allowed, we used to be allowed squat suits and deadlift suits at yep. state comps. Um, but not anymore because Arnold's decided yeah and that's the feed event into it yeah yeah makes sense okay yeah Yeah, cool yeah it's quite interesting like the state comps uh, they're they're the ones that feed into Arnold's and Arnold's feeds into World's Strongest Man is that right is that how it works oh so yeah it's it's, Australia's the probably exception to that rule okay Um, so most so the the qualifying process for World's Strongest Man is these giant live comps okay yeah run by the same guys that run World's Strongest Man yep but Australia doesn't have Giants Live. And they used to have one at the Fit Expo, which became the Arnold Expo. So now, instead of running a Giants Live, they choose the top Australian from the Arnold Australia to go to World's Strongest Man. Okay. Or, yeah, top Australian New Zealander. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, that's the exception. Because there's not a Giants Live in Australia, they pick the Arnold, but that's um, the only Arnold where they do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, everywhere else. Yeah, okay, yeah. makes sense. Very cool, very cool. Um, so going on to Eddie Hall and his um, last deadlift versus Thor's current deadlift. What's your thoughts on that? As in, like, both their 500s? Yeah, both their 500s, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I, I thought uh, I'd have to play them side by side, but they still, they looked like similar speed. Yeah. You know, I thought Eddie's was quite clean, um, but Definitely, Eddie had a lot more shaking at the top. Yeah. Um, so, I think, and also, I think Eddie's, yeah, quite an explosive lifter. So, that was probably closer to his max than Thor's, yep. I would say. Um, and then, obviously, Eddie, uh, you know, passed out after and all the rest. So, de- definitely, it was a lot less stressful on Thor. Yes. It wasn't Eddie doing that lift. Yeah. But then, also, I mean, I think part of that was psychological. Yeah. Because it was such a, when Eddie did it, it was such a big jump. Um, people thought it was impossible and thought your body would, you know, you'd have a heart attack or die to yeah. hit that weight. Which you almost did. You had a well, you know, but, but, blood vessel in his brain. Well, but I mean, how much of that was psychological? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. For, yeah, for example, like, um, you, just, you have to look back at like the, um, the four minute mile. Yep. For years, people tried to beat that and beat that, and people got within a few seconds. And um, physiologists and you know respected people in the exercise yeah. field came out and said it's impossible to hit an under four hundred mile. If you do, you're gonna die. And yeah. you know, so this is the same with the five hundred kilo deadlift. So now that he did it and survived, when in reality there's no reason why you should die doing a five hundred kilo deadlift. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on your body, but it shouldn't um, should kill you. Yes. Yeah. So so once he did that and he he was fine. You know, it makes it oh, okay. It's actually not impossible. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I think um, one day people are probably going to be pulling 
you know, 600 kilos. Wow. You know, maybe 50 years time. Yeah. You know, wow. I think some, someone will probably get 550 while we're alive, you know. Where, wow. where does it end? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. But That's just, very, very, very um, exciting times head. Yeah. Yep. But I think, yeah, the, the limiting factor is how much muscle mass can you put, can you put on? Yeah. So like Thor's, um, you know, six, eight, 200 kilos. Um, Eddie was like 200, um, six, three. Yeah. Maybe a little, um, and, but not, not as lean, uh, but obviously he didn't need as much muscle mass to fill out his frame as, um, Thor does. Yes. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting when you think of like that aspect of, um, you know, for the strong man of the limiting factor now is how much muscle mass can you put on? And yeah. I suppose with the science and um, performance enhancements in a way in that sport is that that would probably be the next frontier, like with that going into more research. Yeah, mate, well, we could see, um, yeah, like we could see sort of gene, gene doping going on. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I, I, I don't think that'll be, I think that'll be a long time before that's, um, you know, sort of uh, happens throughout society because yeah. when, when you change a, a gene, you know, it, it causes a cascade of other, other changes. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, I'm kind of anti-GM uh, crops because you see, um, yeah, if you look at all the evidence, um, yeah, that, you know, they're not, there's normal proteins that are created that aren't actually good for human health. Yeah. So similar things going to happen when you modify your DNA. Yeah. So like there's um, some cancer um, treatments they've done where they modify your DNA to attack the cancer and a lot of the people in the study have died, but one or two people it works for. Yeah, wow. And cures their cancer. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to take a very long time before uh, gene doping becomes um, effective. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Um, but yeah, well, you know, that could be the new age of uh, athletes and every super athletes in every sport. Yeah. Um, and like, let's talk a bit about genes for current athletes. Is do you, do you think there's a um, uh, genetic profile that suits people to be that freakishly strong at those top levels? Well, I mean, just look at the height of like, the height yeah, of bones yeah. like to a <laughs> yeah. yeah. Six, you know, just being 6'8 is going to help. Um, <laughs> so definitely. Well, that's interesting you say that because, you know, it was once upon time thought that, um, well, for some people it was thought that being tall was a disadvantage to being, yeah. being a big deadlifter or being a big squatter. Um, a lot of people are, oh, limb length, is, uh, but it's yeah. more like how you leverage those, isn't it? Exactly. Well, um, I think it, wh- where it came about was if you're taller, um, you're naturally going to be probably skinnier yeah. just from if you just day to day life. So you're not going to be as strong as a shorter person. And also if you're tall, it's going to take longer to reach your, fill out that frame with muscle, with lean muscle yeah. and um, hit the numbers you can actually hit was a shorter person can get um, you know can feel like their frame probably in a few few years and be hitting some massive weights for the tall person it might take a little bit longer but they're going to um, have a much higher ceiling yeah yeah yeah. that's because they can fill out they've got more yeah. body length to fill out outwards as well yeah but, but I mean there does seem to be about a limit on on height like often um, you know you see the the really big people over 7 feet are often um, not very healthy you know, yep. they've got some medical issues that are causing that. They often have a um, pituitary growth yep. that's causing that. And then that comes with other side effects. Um, 
but you know, it, yeah, it, it is. It is possible. There was, um, you know, the, the genetics are out there. Like if you look at, um, there's this guy. Um, oh, there was a giant in uh, lived in Nova Scotia. Um, can't remember his name, but he's uh, he's on. He's the, has a record for being the biggest um, natural giant. Well, wow. so a natural giant is someone who doesn't have a medical condition that causes their gigantic. Okay, yep. And he was um, well over seven feet. And there's uh, yeah, this is like sort of seventeen or I think it was eighteen hundreds. And there's some really interesting stories of his feats of strength. Wow, yeah. Like um, you know, c- carrying um, one hundred thirty five kilo barrels in each arm. Wow, you know? yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, he'd like um bail out his uh, his um, boat himself tip it yep. out tip it out <laughs> dock get the water yep. out and then uh, carrying like a a massive um, well depending on who you hear the story from a, from a, somewhere from a 600 to a 1000 pound anchor on his shoulder jeez yeah yeah for like a, a distance so yeah you know, there's um, the genetics out there so at one point there'll probably be you know, someone who's, uh, you know, just the chances of it happening are so low and of that person getting the strong man. Yeah. But there'll be someone who's, um, you know, seven feet tall, you know, 250 kilos, you know, he'll be... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, yes. it's only a matter of time. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to think the, the limit of human potential in that yeah. range. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you, you can't discount, you know, shorter people can do well as well. You know, there's... Yep. Um, you know, guys like um, Alexei Novikov doing well. He's you know maybe six one, six two. Yep, yep. You know, one thirty five kilos. So there, there's a few lighter guys that are coming up that are also challenging that kind of paradigm that you need yep. to be that kind of size. So it'll be interesting to see what direction the sport heads. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Let's check out. Cool, man. That pretty much does it. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Um. No, look, um, thanks for having me back on the podcast, Cash. No worries, man. Good to chat. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Be sure to watch out for Max's um, book that will be released at some point this year. Um, And that will be specified on Overhead World Records. So, yeah. yeah. Cheers, guys. Anything else you want to say? No. Look, um, yeah. Great, uh, interesting chat. I think we covered a few interesting points there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. Awesome. Thanks, Max. Cheers.